Welcome to Grace today. We love to have you here today. You look good. Your children did wonderful and your youth did wonderful today. Uh, aren't you proud of them? I really want to thank Emily. That's, she's, uh, she's a music teacher. She's been teaching in the children and the youth and the adults. And the great thing about it, we will get there. We've really taken a turn in our church that we realize what our calling is. Our calling, calling is to equip people. You know, if it was possible and, and you had enough funds, you could hire all the professionals in and you could have the professionals do everything. And yet you would not be training the next generation or the next generation or even the generation today, letting them have their place in the church. So I'm glad that, that God got through to us that our primary goal as a church is to equip the saints. That's the primary job description for the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so I am so thankful. Some Sundays it may not sound quite so good because I know I, I, I helped direct the worship for about a year because we didn't have anybody. And some Sundays it was rough, and I get that. And so some days it's difficult like that, but it's worth over the long haul. It's worth training future worship teams, future pastors, future teachers. It's worth it. And I hope that you understand that's our mission, is to equip the saints, and that's what we hope to do. Uh, today we're talking about, okay, let's see if this is going to work today. Uh, how far will you go to save a soul? How far will you go to save a soul? Jeff done an awesome job last week taking a very difficult subject, the Acts 15, talking about the... Uh, the Jerusalem Council, we've been going through the book of Acts, Jerusalem Council, and how that at the Jerusalem Council they had to uh, decide whether a Gentile had to be circumcised and take on all the Jewish religion in order to be saved, or was God opening the door to the Gentiles in a different way than they had previously uh, suspected. And then he was able to take that historical uh, text and then bring it to today and talk about how we need to dock down certain barriers that uh, that sometimes is a stumbling block to people coming to Jesus Christ. I know when I first started off in the ministry, you never think about coming to the pulpit without a suit and tie on. You don't ought to see that anymore. They found out that uh, if you go and you were to ask people about coming to church, most of them said, I don't have anything to wear. And so churches realize People shouldn't have to own a nice dress or a suit to come to church. And you may say, well, isn't God worthy of wearing your very best? Yeah, he, but your best may not be what somebody else's best is. And so churches have done different things. I think smartly, very smartly, they have done different things to try to make the gospel a little bit. Uh, another thing that they said all churches are interested in is your money. And so we quit passing the plate. We teach people to give. It's important to give, but we have the offering boxes in the back in the lobby you give if you want to give. And so we do church differently because we're trying to take down some of the barriers that hinder people from going to the gospel. So how far will you go to save a soul? Our text today, if you'll turn in Acts, and I think they'll put it up here, Acts 30, uh, 15 and 36. It said, you know, Paul and Barnabas had done this great ministry together. It said, sometimes later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached in the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted 
to take John, which was all so-called Mark. We call him John Mark with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pampilia and had not continued with them in the work. They had a sharp disagreement and they parted company. Now, you know, around here, I, I almost despise doing premarital counseling because when couples come to, for counseling, they look Google-eyed at one another and that person is just so wonderful, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened. We're never going to have a problem. We're never going to have a crossword and a bunch of other fantasies. <laughs> because you know they are. You know they are. And so the question I want to ask today, can solid, genuine... Christian people that love God, that are filled with God's Holy Spirit, that God uses to heal the blind and the deaf and raise the dead, can these godly Christian people have a fight, have a disagreement? All right, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you watch the news, but in Panama City, when they had this, this, this storm there in Panhandle, Florida, these people gathered the Sunday after and their building was gone and the pastor is telling them, we're all here. You know, we, the church, are here. The church didn't blow away. Our building blew away, but the church is still here. Do you realize that we're the church, the people, the flesh and blood, we're the church, not the building. And so the question you need to ask yourself uh, how many here today would be so bold to say that you're perfect right now? You're absolutely perfect. Shane, put your hand down. <laughs> he didn't have his hand up, but I'm picking on him today. But how many would say you're perfect? We're not perfect. So are we admitting as a collective body today at Grace Community Church that Grace Community Church is not a perfect church? All right, I want all the pastors we've got in here today. Do we have any pastors in here today that are perfect? Raise your hand. I can't raise my hand. And so are we admitting today that you have no perfect pastors here at Grace Community Church? Then why are we trying to hold each other to some kind of standard of perfection that don't exist? Every once in a while we have people come uh, to our church, you know, and as they come through, one of the first things we like to do is like we've seen they do on certain dating services. You ever heard of this dating service where they call it lower expectations? I mean, who's heard of that? See, to help some people find a date, you need to take them through a class on how to lower their expectations because they may not find anybody as perfect as they think they are unless they lower their expectations. And so we take people that come from other churches they move in here they come from another church and of course the church they moved from was perfect right the church they moved from was perfect their pastor was perfect at the church they came from the worship team was perfect from the church they came from all their volunteers was perfect their children's pastor was perfect from the church they came from of course you know that's their fantasy and we get them in this one-on-one class the thing that we try to do and we try to do it very well, is we try to lower their expectations. That imaginary church that you think you came from doesn't exist. 
And it certainly does not exist here. And so if you're expecting this and this and this and this, it's never going to happen at Grace because we're not as perfect as your imagination of the church that you came from. And it's really, I'm telling you the truth. We, we basically try to lower people's expectations because we're not perfect. Why set people on pedestals only to fall off? And the higher the pedestal, the harder the fall. And so lower the expectation. Well, Paul and Barnabas, they are godly men. And they have this, this disagreement. And, and, and you think about their disagreement. And, and I want to ask you to, to take sides today because that's what we do here. We get people on sides and we get them disagreeing and you can fuss on the way out. All right. I want to ask you to take sides. How many believe Paul's, Paul's philosophy of ministry was this? The ministry was too important and the work too demanding to enlist someone who might prove unreliable, actually had already proven himself to be unreliable because John Mark quit right in the middle of the first missionary journey and went home to his mommy. So how many thinks that Paul's got a valid point? Raise your hand right now. All right, we've got some people here They think Paul's got a valid point. I think he's got a valid point. But we've got to figure out here today who is right on this issue because, I mean, it's causing huge division. Actually, the apostles had just got together and they took a huge issue about the Jew and the Gentiles and they brought the church together in unity by agreeing on the fact that the Jew did not have to, the Gentile did not have to be circumcised. They did not have to do all these Jewish things of religion to be saved. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. They, they had come together and unified the church, and they had actually, uh, they had chosen, later you'll find Silas was to be the spokesperson to go out and talk to the churches. They didn't have Facebook and uh, Instagram and all these messenger and text messengers to send out the church. Somebody had to physically go out and tell these other regions, you didn't have to become a Jew uh, you could stay a Gentile as long as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. So they chose Silas to be the one to do it. But Paul and Barnabas were, had a sharp disagreement. Now here is, they called it a contention. How many of you, as husband and wife, you've had, you don't argue, you've never argued, but you've had a sharp disagreement? Raise your hand. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah we don't argue, but sometimes we have these sharp disagreements. <laughs> uh, because why? Because we're human. I don't care who you marry, unless you marry some kind of alien or something, and you probably still have the same problem because you're from different worlds. But on Facebook this week, you know, men are not from Mars and women are not from Venus. Men are human and women are human. Get over it. Get over it. You're human. If you married another human being, they're going to be a whole lot like you. They're unreliable. Uh, sometimes they don't do what they say they're going to do. Get over it. If you're thinking about getting married, you're going to marry a human, I hope. Somebody said, well, you know, we told people we, my wife was pregnant. We For a long time, told we, we couldn't have any kids. They go, well, what do you want to have? I said, well, we're hoping for a human. <laughs> we just want a human. <laughs> you know, heard the people, they're humble. They go, I just want them to be healthy. Well, I wanted a healthy human is all I wanted. <laughs> and the other didn't matter. But they had sharp disagreement. All right. Here is, uh, they had this contention, and uh, Paul, uh, he felt like that they needed to be uh, this 
this really neat person, you know, this, this excellent person. And so when you, what you find out about Paul is uh, he said Paul's attitude about the church is the gospel and the message is so important. And remember, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He said, of sinners, I am the chief sinner. Uh, I don't know the percentages, you know, because uh, some people claim to be stuff they're not percentage-wise. Uh, and so Paul was said, I'm the chief of all sinners. I, I know everything there is about sin. And Paul looked at people and he asked, what can these people do for God's work? How many think that's a good outlook? What can you people do for God's work? There's going to be some people, you may have went to a church before and you felt highly used. Like all that church cared about is using me. He wanted me to volunteer. All they talk about is volunteering. They, everybody wants me to volunteer. And they, I feel like sometimes they just want to use me. Well, Paul would have said, you're absolutely correct. I want to use you. I want you to be a volunteer because we've got the greatest mission and we've got the greatest message and we've got the greatest gospel and everybody should step up to the plate and be responsible for so great of a salvation. All right, but here was Barnabas's point. And Barnabas, the name Barnabas means he's the encourager. His name, he got a good name, didn't he? His name means son of encouragement. And so here's Barnabas looked at people and he says, what can God's people, God's work, what can God's church do for the people? You think about that. Well, what can God's church do for the people? How many thinks Barnabas had the right idea? You know, Barnabas, you know, the church should be doing for the people. We shouldn't be asking the people to do for the church. The only problem is when we use this some kind of mysterious word church, we forget that that mysterious word church translates into people. So if you're the people that feels like the church aren't to do something for you, you are the ones you're talking about. <laughs> you get it? You're the ones that you're talking about doing something for you. Like, Wife at home said, somebody needs to get up and take the garbage out. Well, guess who they're looking at, thinking about? Somebody, guess, you know, everybody and somebody is usually nobody. So we got to break this down. If we believe the church ought to be doing stuff for the church, then that means some of the church needs to be serving the other part of the church all the time. And then sometimes the other part of the church needs to be serving the other part of the church, and then both sides get what they want. So in a way, Paul and Barnabas had valid arguments. But their arguments was so firm and so set in concrete that they decided to split over it. You ever been to a church that split? The question is, is who is right, right? And so that's the first question you always want to ask at a church when it splits. You know, is how far will you go for a soul and who's right? We want to find out who's right. Because, you know, you got to find out who's right and who's right. And we want to find out also what is right, what is right and who's right. If we could just find out who's right and what is right. But what if I told you that that could possibly be the same thing? The, the what could be right and the who could be right. And you're still separating. If you study this out, Barnabas was right. 
But Paul goes, well, we just went on that first missionary journey and, and John Mark left us in the middle of the journey. I don't want to take nobody like that. He's not faithful. He's not worthy. And yet Barnabas had a reason to be soft in his heart for John Mark because it was his cousin. How many knows blood is thicker than water? You know what I mean by that? If you go to a family church, you better, if there's an argument breaks out in a family church and you're not a part of the family, you're going to be gone. I just put it to you frankly. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be gone. It don't matter who's right or what's right. The family gets to make the decision, right? And so here's the situation. They had this disagreement and they had to come up with some kind of balanced approach. And so Paul said, well, I'm not going with him anymore. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to tell you something. Anytime you draw a line in the sand and you say, I am never doing it, you better be careful. That's probably going to be the next thing on God's agenda for you to do. God has a way of breaking you down. Like this girl, she's going to marry this boy. And she said, well, Mom, only thing about marrying him, you know, he's an atheist. He don't even believe in, he don't believe in heaven. He don't believe in hell. And his mother said, well, honey, if you love him, you go ahead and marry him. And you can help him believe in heaven. And I'll help him believe in hell. <laughs> She was highly qualified. <laughs> so Paul drew the line. He said, I ain't working with John Mark ever again. You can forget that, Barnabas. Then we find in chapter 16, Paul came to Derby and then to Lester, where he, the disciple named Timothy lived there, whose mother was Jewish and whose father was a Greek. So he was kind of like half-breed there, you know. And the believer at Leicester and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him alone on a journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area. Have you ever been wronged for the right to take a grown man in the back room and circumcise him when he didn't need to be? That would have highly infuriated me. And two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> it would have infuriated me, I'm telling you. And so, and my argument would be, you just decided at the Jerusalem Council that us Gentiles don't have to be uh, circumcised anymore. You remember that? You remember that, Paul? You remember that? And also, you remember that Titus... Y'all said that you didn't want Titus to be circumcised because you didn't want the enemy or the opposite side to think they were winning an argument. So you didn't, you didn't circumcise Titus, but now you want to circumcise Timothy. Well, Timothy is part Jewish, right? So that must have been the part they needed to circumcise because he was part Jewish. I know it don't make no sense. Sometimes churches don't make sense. I'll just tell you that. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where stuff don't make sense, but there's some out there. There really are. And so, <laughs> 
they all knew that this father was Greek and they traveled from town to town and they were going to deliver the decision. The decision was the Jerusalem Council decision about the Jews didn't have to be circumcised, yet Timothy did. And by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem and by the people obeyed. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. All right, Paul uh, has a vision of a man and uh, we find this, this vision that Paul has of this man. Paul and his companion traveled throughout the region of Pergamon and Galatia, having uh, been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, Paul wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to go to Asia. You know, God, I want to go to Asia. And God said, no, you're not going to Asia. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says yes. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says no. And sometimes it says, wait a little while. When they came to the border of uh, they tried to enter the Bethany, and, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Masia and went down to Troas. During uh, the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready and once to leave for Macedonia, conclude, the concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. Now some people, historians back then, they believed this guy that was praying that Paul had a vision of was Luke the doctor. And so that's where you find that Luke and Paul hook up there and start doing ministry. Now you got Paul and Silas. Silas is really on, he's on a trip for the Jerusalem church to tell them of the new decree that the Jews don't have to be circumcised so that's kind of his mission when his mission is over he probably won't be with Paul so Paul picks up Timothy along the way and then we find that he goes to Macedonia and he picks up uh, Luke and we find this the reason we know it's Luke is because in the book of Acts it said they did this he tells us about uh, Peter and John Peter and John did this Peter and John well, we told you that Peter and John had this powerful ministry and then God says okay Peter and John your mission is pretty much up for now and Peter, he preached to the Jews first, which was prophesied that it would be preached to the Jews first. Now it's going to the Gentiles. God's opening doors to the Gentiles. All right, God is opening doors and God is shutting doors. There's some doors God says, I don't want you to go in that way. I'm going to shut the door. Other doors, he's opening doors. One of the doors that he's opened, he's now we know that God has opened the doors to what? The Gentiles. There's a big argument about it, but they had a meeting and they come to unity. After they have that meeting, Paul and Barnabas can't get along anymore. And so Paul goes and he, Barnabas takes John Mark. And, you know, we find that we find that Paul, he goes with Silas and then he, on the way he picks up Timothy. Well, how did Timothy get saved? God's fixing to open another door to Paul. You know what? The next door God was open, more important than Paul going to Asia right now or going anywhere else. Paul really wanted to go to Rome. One of the reasons that God wanted Paul to go, he was fixing to open the door to women. Did you know that Paul being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, Paul had a certain bias about women that he didn't think women should have any place in ministry, that he shouldn't have anything to do uh, with that at all. And now Paul was taking this gospel and he comes and he finds this guy that has been prepped to receive Jesus Christ and it had been done by Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother had taught little Timothy 
uh, about Jesus. I heard about a preacher one time. He didn't know much about the word, but he said, you know, Paul and Silas had to go out in the ministry. Paul and his wife Silas had to go out in ministry, and they left the little Timmy at home by himself. And the congregation was crying, giving altar call. People come to the altar. Of course, it wasn't true, <laughs> but that's all they knew about the scripture. Uh, I'm going to show you a place in a minute where some people, sometimes the church is telling the truth, and, is, and sometimes the devil's telling the truth. You know the devil tells the truth occasionally? And so we're going to see this here in this passage. But we find here that he goes down and he sees this uh, Timothy's mother and Timothy's grandmother. And he, there's a great uh, interest in them. One of the reasons they got over the, the great disunity in the, in the early church, there was some things they had to decide. When we bring people in this class we're talking about, we invite you to come. We want to get to know stuff about you. We talk about the essentials. I took a rule 31 mediation class and where you mediate between married couples and land disputes and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things you try to do, you try to find common ground, common ground. And you know, uh, some of you, you know, the horrible experience of going through a divorce, divorce, you go, well, you know, I'm not living with the person anymore because I, I hate them. I don't like them anymore. I don't like their ways. I don't like, you know, I'm sorry that it all happened. But the thing is, you may divorce yourself from a spouse, but you never can divorce your child from their parent. So it becomes very difficult. Now you have to realize, yeah, you're divorced, but your child will still need to see that other parent for the rest of their life. So some philosophy change, some thinking change has to overcome you if you want unity for your child. And you've got to say, you've got to get to the point you'll go, what's the higher gold here what's the what's the most important thing the most important thing is the child do you love your child more than you hate your spouse do you love your child and so forever there'll be birthday parties you will come to and if you have to go take an acting class how to go to a birthday party and act like you love that child and you can tolerate your ex you need to do it and then if you, you know, whatever, because you're going to have birthdays and you're going to have graduations and you're going to have other things come along and you're going to need to be there not for the other person so much, but for the child. And so we find ourselves in these predicaments where we need to find a way to get over things that we disagree with, right? Every church I've ever been to, they had disagreements, you know? And it happens, and that's what I'm telling you. The gospel has got to be big enough that we keep the main thing the main thing. So we tell people in the essential. The apostles had an essential doctrine. It's called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, they had to agree on the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, Him crucified. We've been kind of going through the Apostles' Creed as we work through different parts of the Bible. The Apostles' Creed is the nuts and bolts, the important. We must agree on the essentials. In the essentials, we must have unity. So that's why they sent out this apostle's letter that Silas was taking is the most important thing, more important than how bad the Jews hate the Gentiles is we love Christ. And Christ says we need to love the Gentiles, but we really don't like them, but we're going to love them. We used to call them dogs. We used to think of them being despicable. We would, even the Samaritans, we opened the door to the Samaritan. We used to go around that whole town where we didn't have to go through Samaria and so, but God's opening these doors, and if God's gospel, uh, the gospel and salvation needs to be more important than our dislike for a certain people group. 
We need to love the gospel and love these eternal souls more than we dislike this people group. So if we don't like the Gentiles, we need to get over it. They need salvation where they can have eternal life. Or if it be the Samaritans, we need to get over it where they can have eternal life. And so Paul, as being a good Pharisee, you know what he was taught? He was taught that women were not very important. He was taught that women should walk like eight or nine steps behind a man. When they went to the temple, the women didn't go in the temple. They stayed in the outer courts. Women were not as good as men. But the Bible tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us there's coming a day. He said that there'll be no more bond nor free. There'll be no more male nor female. There'll be no more uh, Jew nor Gentile. And he's going through this list of things that were fixing to change. So they were having to have a philosophy change. The Jew and Gentile was fixing to have to get along with one another, even if they didn't want to. They was going to have to get along with the Samaritans, even if they didn't want to. The thing about the gospel, don't draw a bunch of lines in the sand and say, I'm never, ever going to do that because you'll find yourself doing it before you know it. Because some things, sometimes things happen. And the, the thing, if I can get this going again, is don't burn bridges, especially people bridges. Don't burn bridges, especially people's bridges. You may have to cross back over it. Paul had burned a pretty strong bridge that John Mark was worthless. Later on, guess who travels with John Mark, brings him stuff while he's in prison. Paul relied on, later on when he was in prison, he relied on John Mark. Do you realize the person you hate and despise the most, you may have to get over it for a higher purpose. In marriage, it may be the higher purpose is your kids. It may be a higher purpose is to keep a job that you need very desperately. You've got to get over some stuff you don't like who you're working for. Hopefully, eventually, they'll get moved on and you can get on with your life. But I'm telling you, don't burn bridges, especially people bridges. Let God give you enough grace to get over it. That bridge may be there for a purpose to change your philosophy. So here Paul was, and Paul had been taught these awful things about women. And over a period of time, he had developed an opinion. Paul must have had a bad relationship with a woman at one time because Paul said that he don't even think you should touch a woman. He don't think you should touch a woman. Paul also said about women, he, he said that, uh, you know, he said, I don't think you should even touch a woman. And as in the synagogues, they used to have this statement that the, the uh, rabbis would read. And Paul, being in the synagogues as one of the Pharisees of the Pharisees, he probably read this at some time or another. And it said, it's better that the words of the law be burned than to be delivered to a woman. Paul said, you'd be better off to just throw it in the garbage, burn the words, than to take the time to share those words of the law to a woman. You're wasting your time. Now, God is using Paul, made him face the Jew-Gentile issue, made him face the Samaritan issue, made him face this ministry issue. Now he's taken him and he met uh, Timothy's mother. He met Timothy's grandmother. He wanted to go to Asia, but he didn't. And then he goes over to Macedonia, and he gets over to Macedonia there, and he, he probably connects there with Luke is what we believe. He gets over to Macedonia, 
And he says, well, where does everybody have church? Well, we, they don't allow us to have no church. But I tell you what, we got a little church outside of town people don't know about. It's down by the river. You know, you heard people sing the songs, let's all go down to the river. Well, they had this church outside of town because they were not welcome in the synagogue. They had this church out of town. And so Paul says, hey, let's go out down by the river and let's go down there and have church. He gets down there by the river and guess what? It's just a bunch of women. Just a bunch of women down there. Read it in your own word. It's a bunch of women. So he gets down there and he, he gets to this meeting down there by the river. And God opens him up to women's ministry. Women. He says, and he opened the door to women. God's opening doors in Paul's life. And so this women, and he said, you know, even though he'd been taught it's better for the words of the law to be burned than delivered to a woman. He, he has to change his philosophy. He had to be obedient to the Lord, had what he had done and prepared them to do. And, and, and rather, did Paul have the attitude that you shouldn't even touch a woman? And, and that women, you know, at that time, they were oppressed by the Jews and they were pretty much oppressed by the Romans. But when Paul gets down by the river, he meets this lady named Lydia and she's a successful businesswoman. Paul had probably never met a successful woman, much less a successful businesswoman. And she was from Thyatira. And the city was renowned for purple dye. She was probably was in charge of that branch there. And, 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 and there in Philippi. And God brought her all the way to Greece so that she might hear the gospel and be converted. So God got Paul all the way over to Macedonia, to Philippi, and while God was getting Paul over there, God was getting this businesswoman over there where Paul was at, because Paul was gonna have a conversation with her, and he was gonna tell her about the gospel. And so she said, well, I, I worship God. I'm a Gentile. I'm not fully a Jewish proselyte, but I openly worship uh, with the Jews when they'll let me. And she was, she's seeking the truth. I find out that men or women that seek the truth will find it. Paul shared the word spoken in Acts 16 and 14. Means it was a personal conversation. He was not preaching to a bunch of women. He was talking to this businesswoman. And God opened her heart to the truth. God opened her heart to the truth, just like God opened the Gentiles. He opened the Samaritan. Now he opened this woman's heart to the truth. And she believed and she was saved and she was baptized. And now she's fixing to test Paul. She said, if you believe that I believed in what you said and you believe that I'm saved and you believe that I'm saved so much that you baptize me, I want you to come stay at my house. That was the ultimate thing. Just like Peter the Gentiles wanted to go, okay, Peter, you come to my house. It was one of the highest regards. If you went and ate at somebody's house, it was saying you were in agreement with them. And so you went and supped with them. You come to their house. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door and you'll accept me, come sup with me. And so it's that thing. It's that uh, camaraderie. It's we're one. We're, we're people together. We believe in the same thing. And so Paul had nothing else to do but go to that woman's house and him and Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy and whoever else was there, they went in and they sat down and they eat with that woman. And the women's ministry had begun. Paul used Paul, the guy that didn't believe in women, to open the women's ministry. You know, tell him what God's going to use you for if you would be obedient to him. And then you go, well, that's, that's the end of the... No, it's not. After he left there, 
he went out and he was going down the road and guess what? Another woman. So he now he's got Timothy's mom, Timothy's grandma. He's got Lydia, uh, the businesswoman. And now he's got uh, uh, this, this woman that was a, uh, uh, she was filled with the devil. She was a slave. Uh, she come up to Paul and she's coming, walking behind Paul and she's yelling out, these men are of the Most High God, which was the truth, right? It was the truth. But who was telling the truth? The devil, the demon. She was a fortune teller. The Bible says, be careful when evil people speak well of you. When evil people side with you. When evil people are sponsoring you. When evil people, well, this, this evil woman was running behind Paul and said, he's a man of God. These are men and women of God. And Paul got tired of it. And Paul rebuked her, cast the devil out of her. And guess what? She was a slave girl. And because she was a slave girl, now she wasn't going to do fortune telling anymore. And because she wasn't going to do fortune telling anymore, she wasn't going to have money anymore. And so the slave owner said, well, if you ain't going to make me no money, I'm not going, I'm not going to take care of you no more. And so the woman was freed. You will find in the gospel, if you so dare look for it, you'll find that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest liberator of women ministries, of women, of women's rights, of anything in the entire world. The word of God is for women. The gospel is for women. And so this woman there that was doing the fortune teller, she was delivered. And you know what? Sometimes even the enemy will tell the truth to cloud the issue. So, you know, sometimes who's right, who's wrong. It don't matter sometimes who's right or wrong. The bigger issue is the child. Or the biggest issue between somebody's right or wrong in the church is the church and the unity of the church. Sometimes people need to swallow their pride and say, well, the church of unity is greater than my being right or my opinion. Heard about this church one time. <clears throat> In uh, Oklahoma, they were growing and they started this uh, worship ministry and they had a new church. So they had this big green room in the back. And so the worship team, the choir could go back there and learn songs. And so they said, well, you know, since we're staying for multiple services, can we get some coffee and donuts? So the pastor said, okay, we're going to provide coffee and donuts, but we want to keep it in the green room. You start bringing it out among the congregation and you start inviting a bunch of people back in the green room. We're going to cut it off. And he told them, they all, okay, we understand. Sooner or later, though, it got out of hand and everybody was going back there and they was passing it to their aunts and uncle, you know, blood's thicker than water. And so it was all over the church. And, and so the pastor said, okay, I told you, I warned you, we're cutting it out, cutting it out. Well, this family got upset and this church in Oklahoma is called Grace Community Church, actually. And this family, true story, this family got upset and they left the church. And, you know, God had led them to that church. Their children was happy in the children's church at that church. Their youth was happy with the youth in the youth church. Their family had grown in the Lord and, and had learned the word at that church. And somebody, the, this pastor said, you know, I wonder when they get to heaven. And they stand before God and God said, you know, your children went a lot of, a lot of difficulties and, and y'all went through a lot of difficulties. I had chosen a church for you and you quit going. And I want to know why you quit going to the church that I had called you to. And he said, I could just imagine the response was, they wouldn't give me no donuts.
But I'm going to tell you, I know people's left churches over lesser things than not getting a donut. It's ridiculous. Sometimes I'm going to make you mad. I'm trying to today. <laughs> and sometimes you're going to make me mad. You know what? I need to get over it, and you need to get over it for the gospel's sake. The gospel is more important than my feelings or your feelings. Get over it. Their church is split over the color of the carpet. They split over uh, hymn book or not hymn books. It's ridiculous. And so there comes a time that you will find that Paul had to get over his bias toward women. He had to get over his bias about John Mark. We need to get over some things sometimes for the betterment of the church. How far will you go for a soul? And so we find this. We're seeing God send them to these divisionary areas. You've got the division between men and women. God's knocking down that wall and opening that door. There is the division between religion and racial issues. You know, the Jews and the Gentiles call them the Samaritan dogs. The Gentiles were nothing. They eat the wrong stuff. God was busting down that door. He was opening the door. The Jew-Gentile door. The bond-free door. The next thing you'll find, after Paul does the right thing by casting out this devil, setting this woman free, the slave owner that was, you know, he was marketing this woman's fortune-telling skills, and now he's going to lose some money. They made false accusation against Paul and Silas. They were thrown in jail. They took them and took their clothes off and beat them until their back was just bloody. And they're sitting in jail. And how many knows when you get, when you get beaten where your back is bleeding and you're bloody for doing the right thing, and, and you've done the right thing, and your back is bleeding, and you're in jail. How many knows your first response is to worship? Me too, yeah, me too. Your first response is to worship and praise the Lord at midnight. But that's what Paul and Silas was doing. No devil, you can't steal our joy. You can't steal our praise. You can't steal our worship. We can worship in the midnight hour. And so they began to worship God, and an earthquake struck. And when the earth uh, struck, it's an interesting passage in Scripture. It said, all, everybody say all, all the prison doors were open. You know what God just opened the other door to? The bond and the free. The people that have been done unjustly. People in jails. The gospel is good enough for people in jails. The gospel is good enough for women. The, the gospel is good enough for stubborn men. The, the gospel is good enough for uh, high-level Pharisaic men. The gospel is good enough to break down all those barriers. The gospel is the most important thing. And so, Paul and Silas was beaten in the wrong, but for the right thing. And so, the, the head guard, he was fixing to kill himself because if you let the prisoners go, then you're held to the responsibility and they would kill you. I shared that with you a few weeks ago. Well, what happened though, Paul and Silas said, hey, don't kill yourself. We're not going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. Well, he said, all the doors open, all your shackles are off. You can leave. I mean, evidently it's 
pretty proven God's on your side. This is in a, uh, this is in a, jail, a jailhouse in Philippi. And, and Paul goes, we ain't going nowhere. I love Paul. We ain't going nowhere. You judged us unjustly. You brought us in here, and you don't even know it, but you messed up big time because we're Gentiles. This guy right here, he's a half Gentile. I'm going to tell you, you done wrong. The Roman government done wrong. You, and see, Paul wanted to go to big Rome, and this Macedonia was, it was a colony of Rome. It was a little Rome. They sent military men there to retire. They got free housing. They got free taxes, and they were to kind of keep, make sure that Philippi stayed in order with the Rome. And so they go, well, you, we want to we ease you out of town in the early dusk of morning where nobody will know the mistake we made. And Paul goes, no, you, you, you beat me publicly. You, you, you made fun of me publicly. And publicly, you're going to apologize to me and my guys. And you know what the next morning they did? I don't know if they 100% apologized, but they took Paul and Silas out and they showed favor to them and led them out of the city. And you know, in that jailhouse, that jailhouse things, God turned the table. The head guard, after he, Paul and Silas didn't leave, he wasn't going to lose his life. He went and got some warm water and, or water and he washed Paul and Silas's back. He cleaned out their wounds. How many would like to have your enemies clean out your wounds? The Bible says something about he would make your enemies to be at peace with you. If you live right, do the right thing, even when people do you wrong. He would cause even your enemies. And, and guess what? I think there's something in Psalms that he would prepare a table in the presence of the enemy. They went and got some warm food and made a table and let Paul and Silas and them eat. And the prisoners eat in that prison. He would prepare a table in the presence of your enemy when you're doing the right thing, even when you're wrongly done. That's God, folks. We need God more than anything. We need to be true to the gospel. We need to be the gospel. We need to be true to the gospel even when it don't feel good, even when it's hard to get up on a Sunday morning, even when uh, people, you know, you're trying to do something for God and all people can do is come in and gripe because, you know, they don't have a donut or something or they don't have this or they don't have that or, you know, somebody didn't open the door for me. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. I didn't like who that sung. Get over it. The gospel's greater than that. The gospel is greater than all of that stuff. And so we find that God is opened doors to the women through Paul and Silas. He opened the door to the prisoners because of Paul and Silas. And they were rejoicing. Later on, God knew. Why did God do that miracle in that Philippian jail? You'll read in the book of Philippians, later on, Paul gets put in that Philippian jail. Guess what? Most of all those Philippian jailers probably come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We know the head guy did. Paul was in prison in Philippia for a long time. He wrote the book of Philippians from there. He said, we count it all joy to be here. He was there with people that had come to know the Lord through this beating he was with family. They were probably giving him food at night, taking care of it. Like, okay, the lights are out. We're going to undo your chain. You can walk around a while. But in the morning, we've got to put them back on. We've got to make a look. You know, he had favor in that jailhouse. At the end of the book of Philippians, he goes, the whole household of Caesar <laughs> salutes you. He had won the whole household to God. 
Tell me God does not work when you get out of the way and you let God work. Get your feelings. You're all, you hurt my feelings. My friend, if you get married, you're going to get your feelings hurt. If you have children, you're going to get your feelings hurt. If you, if you ever take a job anywhere, you're going to get your feelings hurt. If you're trying to go through a world where you're never going to get your feelings hurt, good luck. It ain't going to happen. And so isn't the gospel greater than your feelings and my feelings? How far will you go for a soul? Peter went down and Peter was taught directly from Scripture that he was not supposed to eat pork. He went down to this house and he's got, I got a decision to make. If God's filling these Gentiles with the Holy Spirit and God's accepted them, how can I not accept them? And so Peter may have felt like a hypocrite, but he's going to eat meat with the Gentiles, even though he knew he'd be shunned and hated by the Jews for doing it. But he did it anyway. Heard about a pastor one time, and I'm fixing to close if the worship team want to come out. Heard a pastor in Atlanta one time, and you may go, this is really, really, really bad. Probably not at our church, but at a lot of churches. This pastor, he went in that town, and he wanted to get to know unchurched people. And so when he joined the he joined a softball team, they had a Christian league. He said, I don't want to be on the Christian league. They argue too much. <laughs> like two kids outside the window, and they were fussing and fighting. And the mom said, quit that. What are you doing fussing and fighting? They said, we're just playing church. <laughs> Which is probably true. But this preacher... This preacher, he said, I don't want to be on the church league. I want to be on the business league. Well, you don't understand. The business league in our town, we, uh, after the game, we get together and we have a few beers. And the pastor said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, buy, the, I'll buy a round of beers for everybody. His congregation about had a fit because it's a very conservative church. By the end of the year, he had everybody on that team saved. How far will you go for a soul? How far will you go for a soul? As a minister in a Pentecostal church, he got up one night, and he was ripping and roaring and preaching, and he preached, and he said, some of you don't give a blank about souls. I'm not going to say the word because I don't want to offend anybody, but you can imagine what he said. The board got together. They was going to get rid of him. I was all mad. People got up and walked out. He said, you know what's so disturbing this Sunday afternoon? Some of you are more disturbed that I said that little word than you are about the truth of what I said. Souls are dying and going to hell. You care more about that word than you care about souls going to hell. Now, I agree that some of those examples may be too far one way or another. If Paul was willing to say, hey, Timothy, I know you don't have to be, but would you be willing to be circumcised? Because we're going to get into some areas where people's going to automatically turn your ministry off if they, if they know that you've never done what a Jew should do and be circumcised. And Timothy probably said, you know, I'll do it for the gospel's sake. Not because I've got to. Not that I have to do it to be saved. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to go the extra mile for a soul. 
I pray that there's something that would sweep over our congregation that we would go the extra mile to win the lost. Like Jeff preached last week to take down all the barriers that keep people from God. That we would love people. That we would be used and spent and sometimes abused for the gospel's sake. If you do church right, I promise you, you're going to be hurt. I promise you, you're going to have to get over yourself many times. Some people, you know, first thing happens, they move on to the next church. Pastors used to be bad about that. They'd ask to be moved to another church or another church or go uh, interview for another church. You start realizing every church has the same problem. They've just got different faces. When are we going to grow up and say, hey, I'm not going to another church. God called me to this church. He's called me to this mission. I'm fixing to get in. And sometimes I'm going to be served by this congregation. But sometimes I'm going to serve this congregation. You got to ask yourself, how how long can you go just being served and never willing to serve? I don't know about you, but that don't go over well in my household. I don't think it goes over well in the house of God either. How far will we at Grace go for a soul? A lot of things are changing. Media is changing. The roles of pastors are changing. The role of the church is changing. This week we had beautiful Alice sits right up here in first service. She's, she's had a battle with cancer so far. God is doing miracles in her life. She goes out and she falls this week and breaks her pelvis and her hip. She's going to be out of commission for a while. But she's of good spirit. This week we had our dear Norma pass away. 86 years old, if there's ever been a woman that had a sweet spirit and was an encourager, she never came out that door. She's a pastor. I've learned so much at this church. I love this church. I love you as a pastor. And we need to be praying for Daniel and Nan. They've worked hard. They've been by her side every day and every night and loved her like kids are supposed to love their parents. And uh, the, the service will be in November the 10th, I believe. So it's coming up. There'll be more stuff. But what I'm saying that you reach out now through media and Instagram, and we got the team. Churches is changing. Ways are changing. We just want to reach people. That's all we want to do. We want to reach people for Christ. Can we bow our heads? Dear Heavenly Father, may we get in the spirit of the early church. Yes, they had conflict, but they kept getting over it. They had racial conflicts. They had hierarchy conflict. They had money conflicts. They had family conflicts. They had ministry team conflicts. But they always were managed by the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ to get over it for the gospel's sake, that people might be saved. God, that's my prayer for Grace Community Church as we become an equipping church, that we are about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry in love and unity. That's our mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.